Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Lovesick people are not concerned for what others think of them. They do the silliest things, uh, the silliest looking things in the name of love, right? They get completely undignified. I remember when I first um, had feelings for Vanessa, I, I, everything started changing in me because I just really wanted her. Um, I used, I, I was, I'm always, I've always been a dog man. Hands up, dog people in the house. Hands up, cat people. Cat people. Hands up, everyone with an animal allergy. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mum hates animals. All right. Um, so I was a dog person, always a dog person, but I fell in love with this beautiful woman who I one day married, and she was a cat person. Their family had like 10 cats. She's growing up with cats upon cats upon cats, and I used to hate cats. I was scared of cats, but you know what? I laid down my fear. Whatever the cost, I want her. It's crazy. It sounds weird, but I became a cat man. Um, I remember there was a dress-up party that we were invited to, and Vanessa convinced me to dress up in a chipmunk onesie and go, go, go matching with her. And you know what? I would look like the silliest, weirdest-looking guy, completely whipped and just like, I mean, I look back on it, but in a beautiful way. I'm like, nah, I want this. I don't care how silly I look. This is what I want. I became sappy. You may have seen on Facebook over the years. All right, I wrote sappy love posts on Facebook, public displays of affection, just obsessing over her. And it's like I've got no concern about what other people might be thinking of me and, and things like that. Um, and you tend to do things um, that maybe, you know, others would deem not so smart, not so wise. You're not, care, you're not caring about if you're going to get in trouble or not. Um, I shared this morning about a story where I stole mum's car and I put it in neutral in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night, it was the day before Valentine's Day, stole mom's car, put it in neutral, rolled down our driveway so mom and dad wouldn't hear me stealing their car. So, and then I turned on the car on the road, and I went to her house in the middle of the night, and I put some, like, roses down for, like, Valentine's Day so she'd wake up to these roses. Like, completely breaking the rules in the name of love. Silly, don't do it. I'm not endorsing this, and I apologize, and I repent. Um, but that's the sort of stuff that we do, right? I remember another moment um, growing up, Vanessa and I, when we started dating, now this is a hush-hush thing. This is for the, oh, we weren't dating yet. Oh, that's worse. Um, so we weren't, we weren't dating apparently, um, but this isn't going on the live stream. Um, when, we, when we were, when we, before we started dating, uh, Vanessa and I liked to go on all sorts of adventures. And one day we dared each other to, hey, can we get the first photo up that I have at the back there? We dared each other to break into our old high school. Okay, so Vanessa and I went to the same high school. We were high school sweethearts, and we had this bright idea. Let's break into our high school, and next slide, let's go to one of the trees. Next slide, and engrave our names in the trees. Now, I won't disclose the name of this school, but how crazy is that? We could have been locked up. We could have been fined. They, they could have caught us. I'd have a criminal record. People are reporting me right now, but... I mean, I've got siblings that go to this school, and so we could have, there could have been all sorts of issues, but I'm not thinking straight because I'm madly in love. Like I'm, that's, that's what love does to you. You, start, you Everything, you're, you, you, don't, you have no concern for what the world might think is normal or appropriate because you're obsessed, head over heels in love. And tonight, 
What I want to talk to you about is being madly head over heels, obsessively in love with Jesus. And that's the title of my sermon tonight. It is Jesus. There is only one name through which man can be saved. There is only one name through which man can find eternal life and freedom. And it is Jesus. Amen. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He's so beautiful. And tonight, my aim as well is to woo us into a place of just being infatuated by him. I believe as, as us as the church, we're going to talk about it in a moment, but our deepest success, our, our truest success is to be in all moments madly, obsessively infatuated by who he is. Like just that he's so bright um, in our life that we can't see anything else and nothing else compares. That's how beautiful, like what Carl was sharing, like when you see him, when you're in him, everything else fades away. And that's how beautiful he is. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. So why don't you shake the person next to you and say, get ready to get sappy. Awesome. You know, he hasn't called us to be secret admirers, amen? Amen. He's called us to be obsessively in love with him publicly. When I got married, Vanessa bought me this, well, she didn't buy me this one. I lost my first wedding ring. But she bought me a ring, and I wear it as a sign that I am taken. I am married. It's public. Like, I can't, like, this is, this is it. People see it all the time. Um, put your hand up if you're in a relationship in this room. All right, we've got a couple. Okay. Do you have your partner's photo on your phone, on your wallpaper? You got a mix, got a mix. When people look at your phone, she does. When people look at your phone, he does. <laughs> Beautiful, it's Jesus. Um, <laughs> single life. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? When someone picks up your phone, you can't ignore the life that you're living. This person's obviously in a relationship. They're, they're in love with someone. And that's, I believe, is the sort of life that we should be living. When someone looks at you, is it publicly obvious? Is it like stand out in your face that your heart is sold out to something? You know, how, how, how real is it? Like I don't go around waving. I don't announce that I'm married. But people know I'm married when they see the ring, right? And when I tend to throw in, like I keep talking about this girl called Vanessa when I'm on, whenever I'm hanging out with people. And like, who's Vanessa? Oh, my wife. You know, it's, it's on my lips. It's, it's, it's in my stories. It's the way I walk. It's the way I talk. I'm not, my heart isn't exposed to other people, right? My heart is, is already sold out to one woman, right? And so it's the way I live. There's something public about it. And I want to challenge us to be public. It, it, and it's not something that you should try and cultivate. It should be normal, right? But it happens when you're really in love with him. So we're going to be talking about being in love with Jesus. And I'm so obsessed with him. And I just pray that if anything, it just jumps off me and it gets on you. Um, tonight. So he is beautiful. Amen. He is beautiful. Ah, I just want to take a moment. I was going to do this this morning, but I just want to take a moment to sing a, a song to him with each of us. Just, just keep it, just stay in your seats. Um, but I just want to like right now, as I'm sharing, please, please know that it's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. Right? There's nothing that I can do in my own efforts to make you fall in love with Jesus. You know, not, not the most motivational, inspirational sermon could ever truly save you. How many sermons have you heard in your life, and, and how many more have you needed along the way? Right? 
But there is only one eternal well. There is only one true spring of life, and it's Jesus. He, he, spoke about, he spoke to that woman at the well, and he said, I have water that when you drink of, you will never thirst again. That's crazy. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes, and I'm just going to take like a couple minutes to just set the atmosphere, because what we're doing here tonight is I don't want you to just hear a preach. I want you to fall desperately, madly in love with him. Let him woo you tonight as you're hearing these words. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man, and it continues on, who meditates on the word day and night. What is that? That's Jesus. Blessed is the one whose, whose mind is on Christ at all times. For he is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. What sort of season is that? What season do you go through that, that where a tree, the leaves don't wither? What is that saying? Well, if you go through every season, yet your leaves don't wither, that means your source is outside of the season that you're in. Blessed is the man. He is like a tree planted in streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And it finishes with this. Whatever he does prospers. When you remain in him, when you're a tree planted in those streams, when blessed is the man whose mind is on Christ, when you're in that place, all fruit is found. Everything, everything you ever desired, everything you ever dreamed of is found in Him. This is my desire to This is my time. 
that we would never leave that place. But what we catch tonight is a reminder that our full success is found in loving you. We don't need to leave that place, that everything, it bubbles out of that place. When we see your face, that as we behold you, it transforms our hearts from the inside out. Would you woo us tonight as we seek your face? In Jesus' name, amen. His presence is beautiful. And you never need to leave that place. There's a scripture that says that we're called to pray without ceasing. Like, how does that even look? Well, prayer is just communion with God. He's called us to be forever in union with the person of Jesus. You know, there's a reason why we rave about Jesus, right? Um, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9, uh, it talks about, let me just quickly read it. It talks about how Jesus, God, God chose Jesus to be exalted far above every other name. It says this, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What does that mean? That every problem that you're going through, anything that comes your way, that must bow to the name of Jesus. Jesus completely uh, transcends everything else we are dealing with. He completely transcends it all. He's, he's on a higher plane, and He invites us to be seated in and with Him. Amen? Beautiful. So he's, He wants our heart. He wants our life. Um, and the, the, we, we read in, um, in Acts about a church that was planted in Ephesus, a beautiful church that was serving Him so well. It looks like the type of church that you'd imagine to be seeing It look, what looks like revival, really. There are all the signs of revival. There were multitudes of people being saved. We read in Acts 19, multitudes of people being saved, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was powerful preaching, extraordinary miracles. People, uh, Paul was praying... Uh, Paul was praying, yes, for, for handkerchiefs and, and aprons and, and cloths, and they would be sending them to sick people, and they'd just lay those pieces of clothing on the people. They'd be healed. The glory was that tangible that it would, it would transfer from a person to an object. That's how full on the glory was in that moment. Um, many, there, were, there was a whole movement of people that were confessing their evil deeds, giving up witchcraft. Uh, they, they brought all sorts of spells and they burnt them, $10 million worth of documents. People were closing down businesses that did not honor God. Because like, this is not on. We want God. And so all the signs of revival. And then Jesus writes to the church in Revelations 2. And we can receive this today. Jesus writes and he says, I see all these things, your beautiful deeds, your discipline, you've got good doctrine, but I hold this against you. Revelation 2 verse 4 says this, you have forsaken the love you had at first. Wow. And he says, consider how far you have fallen. 
Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What does that mean? Jesus would much rather extinguish that lampstand in that place, that church, than have a church running that is not founded on love. Wow. How, how weighty is that on us? The scripture in 1 Corinthians 13 talks about how whether we prophesy in the tongues of angels or we have faith to move mountains, if it's not with love, it is nothing. So what, is, what sort of life, what life are you living in? How does it weigh up in the presence of God? Is it motivated by love? Or is it motivated by being praised by others? Is it motivated for other selfish reasons? And Jesus challenges us and he says, hey, do not forsake your first love. Now, Jesus is a full-on lover, right? And I think sometimes we miss this because he's spoken of as a king. He's spoken of as the chief shepherd. He's spoken of as the prince of peace. But you know what? The final way that Christ and the church are referenced as in Scripture is, is incredibly beautiful, and it holds a whole lot of weight. In Revelation chapter 22, we see this picture of Jesus speaking to the church, and He says, Behold, I am coming soon. And then you know what? It says, The Spirit and the bride reply. Everybody say bride. bride. The Spirit and the bride reply, and they say, Come. And Jesus says, I am coming again soon. And it shows this beautiful picture of this bridegroom and his bride. A bridegroom that is obsessed with his bride and a bride who longs for the coming of her bridegroom. What does this mean? What weight does this hold? Well, you know what? If Jesus is coming back, he's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a bride more than he's coming back for warriors or, or family of God or friends of God. He's coming back for a bride more than he's coming back for scholars or anything. He's coming back for a bride, lovers. And so he's coming back for that. So if he's coming back for that, this, must, this is crucial, right? If, if, we're, if he's coming back for a bride, then what does this mean? He desires a bridal type love. Right. Uh, this morning I showed some photos um, of me and Vanessa getting married. If you can chuck a couple up, Sam, just flick through them real fast. Two and a half years ago, I got married to the most beautiful woman on the planet. That is Vanessa right there. That's her dad on the side. She's walking into the building. Keep going. Walking into the building. People are waiting. People are expecting. This whole event is put together just to witness the love between a man and his woman. And I see her walking through the doors. I am melting. Think Jesus melts at the sight of you. And then she comes down. And then we meet. And we meet at the altar. And there's this exchange of vows. And you know what's said? What's said is, you know what? I choose you forsaking all others. What a love that we would forsake all others. Jesus says, I forsake all others for you. And he's calling us to be the ones that say it back to him. I forsake all others for you. I find everything I need in you. Every, every desire is found in you. Now I want to talk about tonight. What's so lovable about this bridegroom? Can I show you? Can I show you? Do you want to know what's so lovable about this bridegroom? Um, all right. Now, there's a book in the Bible called Song of Songs. A bit of a racy book, a bit interesting, and um, there's a lot of kissing and, and a bit of nudity and all sorts of stuff. Um, why is this book in the Bible, right? Um, well, let me tell you. It demonstrates to us what love between a man and a woman should look like in a marriage. It's intimate. 
it, it feels wrong to be watching in on it, but that's what it is. It's this beautiful thing happening between one person and another person. One of my favorite ministers did a bit of an exposition on this chapter that I'm about to read to you, so I'm kind of being inspired by this. Uh, but we're going to be reading from Song of Songs or Song of Solomon chapter 5. So if you want to turn there, read along with me and don't get too excited. Can I get an amen? All right. This is, I'm just reading NIV. We should have it up on the screen as well. Um, all right. Actually, I'm going here. All right, Song of Songs, chapter 5. Now, we're going to be, well, let me give you some context. So Song of Songs, chapter 5, we've got the story between um, the, the husband and his bride, and it's super intimate. And I'm going to actually read from, I'll read from verse 1, but I'm just going to skim through it so you don't have to follow me on the slides, and we'll get back to verse 9 in a moment. So, this is the husband talking, the bridegroom. He says, I have come into my garden, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. I have eaten my honeycomb and my honey. He's checking on his breath. He's ready to make out. Um, I have drunk my wine and my milk. So he's, he's both a little bit, maybe he's a bit tipsy. And he's also a bit satisfied. And he's just, he's ready to, to go in, right? Friends, eat. Friend, the friends say, eat friends and drink. Drink your fill of love. You know what's, what we're seeing is we're seeing this picture of the friends celebrating the union between this man and this woman. Now, this is, this is the first reply. And you know what? This is, sometimes this can be our reply to this beautiful king, this beautiful Jesus. And, and this is what the bride says. This is what the wife says. I slept, but my heart was awake. Listen, my beloved is knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. My head is drenched with dew. This is the husband. My hair with the dampness of the night. I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on? And then, and then she replies, sorry. The wife replies, I have taken off my robe. Must I put it on again? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again? She had already gone into bed. And she's thinking, man, do you want to go at this again? I've, I've had a shower. I'm in bed. And... Um, my beloved thrust his hand through the latch opening. Okay? So this, this, this bride, this woman, this wife, she's not in the mood. But then something happens. All right? The bridegroom thrusts his hand through the crack of the door, and she, she catches a glimpse of him. And then it says, my heart began to pound for him. Boof, 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 boof. When we see him, when we see Jesus, let me tell you, uh, for me, when I'm in his presence, you know, like at the moment, I don't know what it is, but I feel like when I'm fully in his presence and I'm soaked in his presence, the only word I can utter is beautiful, 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 Jesus, beautiful, 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 beautiful. I've got no other words. And it's like he's raptured my heart. And that's what's happening right now. She was not in the mood. But then one glimpse of his glory, one glimpse of who he is, and all of a sudden her heart begins to pound. And it says, I arose to open for my beloved, and my hands dripped with myrrh, my fingers with flowing myrrh on the handles of the bolt. And I opened for my beloved, but my beloved had left. He was gone, and my heart sank at his departure. I looked for him, but did not find him. I called for him, but he did not answer. And we see this desire that she's longing to fulfill. And then we, we read further down in, in verse uh, 9. Now, a whole bunch of friends gather around, and they probably you got some jealous friends, and, and this per, this, these friends are saying, how is your beloved better than any others, most beautiful of women? How is your beloved better than any others that you so charge us? And this is how she replies. 
And this is what I want to, I want to bring this alive and say, here's the reason why he's so lovable. Here's the reason why our beautiful bridegroom is worth everything. Let's read it. Verse 9. Verse 9 is how, how better, how is your beloved better? All right. In verse 10. My beloved is radiance. Wow. What a word. My beloved is radiance. He's white, blinding. There is none else like him. In, his, in the light of who he is, everything else seems pale in comparison. Like there is nothing else that will satisfy anymore. When I've seen him, it's like, you know, how the, the iris changes on a camera and you can only, like everything else just seems too, too dark in, in the face of something that's so bright, right? Like, like try to take a photo of a, a, a brown person in, outside, and he feels it's very hard. <laughs> um, this, is, this is Jesus. Jesus, so bright that you can't see anything else. My beloved is radiant, white, glowing, blinding, so blinding that when I see him, everything else is, is faded. And he is ruddy. What is ruddy? Ruddy, the derivative word of ruddy is red. What does that mean? What, is, what else is red? The blood, the blood of Jesus. He is radiant, he is white and blinding. He is, he is light unapproachable, but he's still bleeding for me. How beautiful is that? White and beautiful, covered in blood, evidence of his sacrificial love for us. Then it continues on. Outstanding among 10,000. 10,000 what? 10,000 whatever you want. 10,000 shepherds pale in comparison to the chief shepherd. 10,000 kings bow to the king of kings. And 10,000 lovers can't steal your love like he can. He's the chiefest, the top, the most beautiful among 10,000. None compares. And when I see him, everything else fades away. His head is purest gold, and his hair is wavy and black as a raven. This is a weird contrast. you got this golden figure, but this black human hair. What does that mean? He is the riches of heaven, the gold, the pure gold that you can't even find, that is so rare. The riches of heaven manifested as a man. He is real. When you see him, he understands you. He is pure. He is beautiful. He is every, he's worth everything, yet he comes to you and he knows you. There's a reason why Jesus was exalted above every other name, because Jesus is the expression of God. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are all equal parts God. But for, for some reason, the Father exalted the Son far above anything else, and Holy Spirit came to be an ambassador to Christ. Why? Because Christ is the expression of God that we can grasp. He came as a man so we could understand him, we could encounter him, have personal relationship. He is the riches of heaven manifested as a man. He is real. He is a man. Everybody say, he's a man. He's a man. His eyes are like doves by the water streams. Holy Spirit came down as a dove and he landed on Christ. Peace is manifested as a dove. And I don't encounter the Spirit of God anywhere else like I do in the beautiful eyes of Jesus. Peace, the encounter of the Holy Spirit, it's found in him. And it says his eyes are like doves by water streams and they're washed in milk and mounted like jewels. And I just felt this idea of his eyes are so soft like this milk, but they pierce right through me. When I go to him, I feel loved and it's tender, yet he sees right through me and he speaks directly, sharp as these jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. 
What an expression. This woman is obviously obsessed. And she knows when they ask her, when they ask her, she has a response. She rattles on for ages. How much are we ranting when someone asks us about Jesus? Good question, right? And she says, his cheeks are like beds of spice. His lips are lilies dripping with myrrh. What is this? Let me tell you, when I'm with him, he gets his smell all over me. He covers me with his goodness. He kisses me and my senses are awakened. I rest my face to his cheek and whatever stench was ca- that I was carrying um, is overpowered by his glory. Yeah? That's the beautifulness of our king. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. It's like a, a jewel. I don't know how to pronounce it. Lapis lazuli. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. What does this mean? In his very being is all riches I have ever dreamed of. Strength unimaginable. Every resource I've ever needed is found in my beautiful bridegroom. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. What does this mean? It doesn't mean that he's just Lebanese. That we love the Lebanese in the room. What does it mean? The cedars, these tall trees. He is larger than anything else I can see in my horizon. And under his shadow, I feel safe. I want more of him. And then she goes on and she says, his mouth is sweetness itself. Every word he ever spoke over me sweetens the very essence of life. When he speaks, I come alive. And this is the summary statement. This is beautiful. What a way to land. This is what, he, what she says. So she summarizes this whole beautiful poem with this one thing. And she says, he is altogether lovely. He's altogether lovely. What is altogether? What does the word altogether mean? He is all desires everything I've ever dreamed of. Why do I love him? Because he is all desires. In him, everything is found. True peace, true freedom is found in him. So if he is looking for a bride, then let your every desire be to shower him with obsessive bridal love. And let me tell you what, the bridegroom that we're showering with love, he's not a stingy bridegroom. He showers us right back and he dresses us with, with, with the beautiful bridal gown that he's given us. He is beautiful. Amen? Amen. How do I go with this? I didn't end up <laughs> preaching the rest of my message. Is there anything I wanted to touch on? I just, I, just, I just wanted to be really clear that the reason I'm talking about how beautiful he is and how, much, how lovable he is is to whet your appetite to spend time with him. Okay, whenever you come to church or whenever you meet up with your leaders or you go to a connect group, what you're experiencing when you feel encouraged and spurred on is Christ in someone, the hope of glory, right? Glory is the manifestation of God. What does that mean? If Christ in someone is the hope of glory and you're encountering God through Christ in someone, that means that you could encounter Christ at any point, in any moment of your life. You don't have to wait for the next service. Okay, so that's why I'm waiting your appetite for how beautiful he is because in him you find everything. Now, a bit of the message that I wanted to share tonight is that you don't need, what does this mean? You don't need to force a thing. It becomes a fruit to be a beautiful lover to him. It becomes a fruit, like what Carl was talking about, to, for, for sin to fall off. You know, when you get rid of shame and you come to him with all your mess, sin begins to fall off. You begin to produce fruit like you never would have. You know what, Jesus, we see Jesus is so blessed by the people 
um, who had a simple ministry. We see the story of uh, Mary of Bethany who chose to sit at the feet of Jesus rather than helping Martha in the kitchen. We see Mary Magdalene who's washing the feet of Jesus with expensive perfume and wiping her hair um, on his feet, wiping his feet with her hair. Um, we hear about Enoch who was mostly known for walking with God and all of a sudden he's taken the only story that we hear of someone and, and Elijah being taken into the presence of God. Um, and David, he did things that would count against him. But it was his heart who was spoken about that was after the Lord. What? Because he loved the Lord. He, 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 this whole book of Psalms, a bunch of them are from him. He would just sing songs and minister to the Lord. These intimate moments were what set these people apart. And so I want to encourage you to be intimate with Him, and then you bear this fruit. Like people, I wrote a song this week, and, um, and people, we sung it this morning at church, and a lot of people were encouraging me. And I just want to tell you like a quick story about this song. I didn't force a song to come about. The, a, a week or two ago, um, I stopped, I, I, a, a little while ago, I've just, I've started falling deeper in love with Jesus, okay? And all of a sudden, fruits begin to change. Fruits begin to manifest in our life. And I had this revelation, which was, okay, whenever we write a worship song, what has been my end goal all this time? And sometimes we have language in our worship team where we're like, let's write an album. Let's, let's put the next, let's get a song together. Why? Or, you know, we want to equip the church to be able to worship Jesus. We want to we wanna employ some people to be able to keep doing this, things like that, raise some funds, okay? But you know what? When you, when you come back to this place and you realize everything comes out of a place of intimacy with Him, that shifts, and all of a sudden, my reason for writing songs changed. I just wanted to bless his heart. And a couple weeks ago, me and Vanessa were driving home, and I just had this melody come on my heart, and I'm just singing to him this random song. And Vanessa's like, oh, what's that? And I said, oh, I'm just singing. He's like, what song is it? I just said, I'm just singing to Jesus, make, making up a song. He's like, oh, that's awesome. And no one else would have heard it. I don't even remember the song anymore. But you know what? I stopped waiting to write the next big hit, and I just started bearing the fruit that I would automatically bear. I was in love with him and I was singing my love. And then last week at Open Heaven, we sung a song that was in a prophetic moment where we're, we're just loving on him again and this other song is birthed. And that's the sort of life that he's calling us to live. That, you would, that, that we, would, we would stop pursuing the fruits, but we would pursue him who has every fruit, who has everything. And out of Him flows every river of living water that we could have ever dreamed for or asked for or thought of or even imagined. Everything is found in Him. Amen? Hmm. I think that's it. <laughs> He's so beautiful. Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Him all things hold together. And I want to, sh I guess, you know what? I'll finish on this. So, let me speak to your pride. Break it right now. Don't let pride be what holds you back from experiencing all that He has for you. Now, Dad has this classic, if you've been in GGC for more than three months, you'll know this illustration. Dad has a classic illustration where he talks about the, the dog bone situation. Who knows the dog bone illustration? I never heard it before. Here's the dog bone illustration, okay? Um, picture this. There's a dog, and he's just enjoying his juicy old, it's been, he's had it for ages, but his, his favorite juicy old bone, and he's just like, arr, 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 and he's just chewing out the bone. And he loves his bone. It's his pride and joy, and he loves it. And then the owner comes out, and he walks to the dog, and he puts his hand down, and he's like, give me the bone. 
And the dog's like, no, no, no. And the dog gets violent and aggressive. And, and the owner's like, no, I've got something better for you. But the, the dog can't see what, what he's, what, what he's going to be given. And this is where faith comes into play, right? When you trust the owner, when you trust our king, when you trust this type of bridegroom who is lovely and beautiful and pure, you know his intention, right? That's where humility comes from. But only when you know his character, because he's not going to reveal to you what's on the other side. That's what faith is. Faith is being certain of what you do not see. And so he's inviting us on a faith journey where we don't know what we're exchanging for. And you know what? We come, our pride tells us that, no, uh, uh, it's too dangerous to hand this over to God right now, to give up this, this, this desire for a job or this desire for a partner or this desire to travel the nations or this desire, whatever that your de- current desire is. It's too scary to, to give it up. It's dangerous. I don't know what he might do with it. But let me tell you, it's more dangerous to keep that desire to yourself and manage it with your own pride because there's a way that seems right to a man but leads unto death. And if we believe that God is he's sovereign above it all and he has our best interests in mind, you know what? Humility says, I trust in him. And Jesus says his yoke is easy, his burden is light. But what the reason we struggle to, to see that part of the relationship, because I, I mean, I, I'll be real, sometimes it doesn't feel easy or light, right? <laughs> um, the truth is we're stuck between pride and humility. We've got one day saying, I'll, I'll submit this portion of my life to you, God, but I can't give you this. I'm not willing to give up my, my house for you. I'm not willing to give up my finances. I'm not willing to give up this portion of my time. I just can't. I, I Trust me, Lord, like you don't understand. I'm strained. It's crazy. And so what I want to encourage you to do is divorce pride, get rid of it, get back on your knees and understand that in His face, everything is found. The Bible says from glory to glory, strength to strength, grace to grace. We, we are brought into His nature. When we see His face, that's when we're transformed. Amen. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.